Good. Isn't it good to be in our own building? Isn't it wonderful? God is good, but you know what? God is also good all the time, not just when he gives us what we want. Amen? We're going to be talking a little bit about that this morning. So we're continuing our series on the Psalms. Ta-da! We've had a few technical issues this morning, as you might imagine. We're still plumbing up the sound system. We're still plumbing up the light systems. Um, do pray, by the way, uh, on Tuesday of this week, we're going to start breaking through into the social club. So that's exciting. So you'll be actually going in there to have your teas and coffees. There'll be another breakthrough into the uh, Babington Hall, the sports hall. So do pray to uh, do, uh, ask God that we won't find any more... Um, unexpected expenses or anything like that. But yes, this morning we're going to be continuing our series on the Psalms, which if you remember last week, it's broken into five books. And this week we're going to branch into book two, which is all about trusting God even when life gets tough. Even when things don't go according to plan, when doubts creep in, when questions creep in, when you are tempted to say, God, are you really for me? Are you really there for me? Are you actually listening? And the beautiful thing is, Scripture doesn't hide reality. Scripture doesn't hide the rawness of life. We read about it in Job, we read about it uh, in Lamentations, and particularly in the Psalms, there's, there's a raw honesty about life that we need to pay attention to. You know, it's, if you're not a Christian here this morning, can I just say the Christian life is not about pretending that everything is rosy when it isn't. It's actually about being honest with our lives, but still choosing to draw on God's strength and trusting in his promises. That song, Blessed Be Your Name, we just finished with, is so appropriate. Still, I choose to say, blessed be your name. So this morning, we are simply looking at the subject of being real. Being real. And we're going to base ourselves in Psalm 42, actually Psalm 43 as well. In early Hebrew manuscripts, they were the one in the same psalm. And what you can see in it is there's this repeating refrain, a chorus if you like, uh, which we'll look into as we go. Before we read into it, it's sometimes helpful to get a bit of background. And if you notice, if you've got your Bibles, in Psalm 42, it starts with saying that This is written by the sons of Korah. Who on earth are the sons of Korah? Who was Korah? It's a very good question. Korah, in fact, was mentioned in number 16. He didn't actually have a very good reputation. He was a rebel. He rebelled against Moses. And it didn't work out very well for Korah. In fact, the ground opened up and swallowed him. Can you imagine that? Kind of puts the the fear of God in you, doesn't it? Him and along with about 250 of his cohorts got swallowed up by the ground because they rebelled against Moses. But his descendants ended up being trained by David to be skilled worship leaders, first of all in the tabernacle, then in the temple. Key worship leaders. They led the choir. They led the worship. What a wonderful picture of God's mercy and grace 
that the, the legacy of Korah was rebellion and it seemed to all end and yet God still had a plan for his family. The sons of Korah have been a massive blessing to us throughout the centuries as they've written down up to 11 psalms accredited to them. Psalms of honesty, psalms of truth, psalms that help us get through the difficult times. So these guys, these sons of Korah, were were right in the heart of all the celebration and the presence of God and all the festivals that went on in the temple. They would have experienced it all. Don't forget, for for the Jewish people, life revolved around the temple. Their whole universe was, was based around these festivals, these celebrations. It was all based around the worship of God. And there were these sons of Korah right in the center of this worship, right in the center of the presence of God. It must have been amazing. Amazing. And in this psalm, they reminisce about those amazing worship experiences, those amazing times. But now, we don't know quite why, there's commentators have different sort of reasons why, but they are stuck way up north, far away from Jerusalem, far away from the temple, far away from God's presence. And so this psalm is basically them expressing their feelings of being neglected, of being forgotten about, of being oppressed by their enemies. They're voicing their frustration at God, their anguish at the situation they find themselves in, and this deep longing for God to break through. And they use these two analogies, which we'll see in a moment. They, they kind of talk about like being in a, a desert place, gasping for God's life-giving water. And then the, the analogy switches halfway through. They talk about feeling like they're drowning in sorrow and despair, waves crashing over their heads, struggling to keep their heads above water. I wonder if you have ever felt like that. I think I could safely say that all of us at one time or another have felt like we are drowning in sorrow and despair, like we are struggling just to keep our heads above the water. Or we've experienced seasons of great dryness, distance from God. God, are you actually there? Are you actually listening? It could be for months or even years, you've been in that dry place. Maybe you're experiencing that right now. If you are, these Psalms tell us that you're not alone, that you're not abnormal. Let's read this out together. I'm going to read Psalm 42 out. Should come up there. Brilliant. Well known first verse. As the deer. Pants for streams of water. So my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember. As I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of 
God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. They're reminiscing about those times of celebration in the temple. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. From the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from the Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. It's a sense of drowning. By day, though, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Poetic description of longing. We, we've used these words in songs and hymns, but sometimes they, they fail to grasp the rawness of what's going on here. You know, what a difference to last week when we looked at Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I will not fear because God, you're with me. Here we've got God, where are you? Why have you forgotten about me? In Psalm 43, it goes on in the same vein. It says, God, why have you rejected me? I'm feeling rejected. If you think that's bad enough, flick on to Psalm 44. It basically, rather than calling God a good shepherd, they're basically saying God's a lazy shepherd. God, why haven't you gone out and and fought with us? They blame God for their military failures. We've been faithful to you, God, and yet you haven't come through for us. They dare to say, wake up, God. Why are you sleeping? And when you read this, you think, are we allowed to say that? Are we actually allowed to to voice our anger and frustration at God? Is that right? Well, the psalmists are simply responding to their world around them. They're simply being honest with God. They're saying, yes, you know, life, we do go through seasons of blessing and victory. Praise God. But we also go through seasons of dryness and disappointment. In other words, their lives are no different to ours, if we're honest. And I believe God, our Heavenly Father, would far rather us be honest about where we are at than try and paint on a plastic smile and pretend everything's okay when inside we are privately suffering. Because all we're doing is we're just singing platitudes. We're just going through the motions. And the truth is when we are real about where we are at, 
that actually opens the door for God to work on our hearts. When we try and hide it all up and cover it all up, it's a closed door. But when we're honest with God, it allows our hearts to open up to him. And he can, his grace can go to work. And, and you kind of see this time and time again throughout the Psalms. They start off just raw, frustrated, angry. But as the psalmists open up in honest dialogue with their gods, you see there's a change in perspective. We see that throughout this psalm. God, why have you forgotten me? And yet, God, you're still my rock. You're still the one I put my trust in. There's still that faith that threads itself right the way through, despite their honesty. And I just want to encourage us as a church, firstly, be real with God. Be real with God. Because as we are, hope comes, perspective comes. We find faith even in the dry places. Tell him how you really feel. You know, the Bible says he, he knows what we're thinking anyway. He knows every word that we're about to say before it's even been formed on our tongue. Tim Hughes, worship leader and uh, author and now minister, he said this once, and I've kind of taken chunks from his book called Holding Nothing Back. He says this, we need a bigger picture of what worship is. Questioning God does not mean disobeying him. Expressing anger and pain to God is actually a beautiful and intimate act. In our everyday lives, the people we are most likely to share our deepest fears and hurts with are those we love and trust the most. It's true, isn't it? True intimacy can be experienced when we choose to share honestly and vulnerably. Can I just say, being sorrowful is not being sinful. Being honest with God isn't showing a huge demonstration of doubt and lack of faith. You know what, when we are honest with God, we're actually in very good company. Elijah the great prophet, he asked God to take his own life. He got so down. Job, Jeremiah and others cursed the day they were born. In the Psalms, as I said, David and others repeatedly speak to their own souls. Why are you so downcast? Jesus himself was honest with his disciples. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. As he was about to face the cross. We can and we should be honest with God. We can, you know, we can go through dry and troubled times for all sorts of reasons. You know, whether it's a traumatic experience that has shaken our faith. You know, everything was going fine until this happened. Now I just, God, where are you? It's often the case. Sometimes we can just feel let down. Let down by others. Let down by ourselves. Let down by God. That can really rock us. Sometimes we can just be plain exhausted. Physically, emotionally. 
and a dryness can just build up. I just, I don't know, God, I just feel so distant from you. There's, there's many reasons why we can feel disappointed in our spiritual life. And I'm just going to be honest here. One of the times I really struggled with God, where I did feel let down by him, where I felt totally confused, where I could relate to the psalmist, where they say, where is my God, was when my dad died. And I know it's, it's a case that we've all gone through situations where we've gone, where are you, God? I've shared before about my dad. He, he had suffered from polio as a young man. He then got epilepsy. But incredibly, God totally, miraculously healed him of those incredible life altering diseases. God had set him free. So I had grown up knowing God as my healer. That was our experience. That was our life. Then he got Parkinson's disease. Of course, that was no different. Well, God, you've done it before. You can do it again. You can heal him. And every year, my dad used to say, this is the year my dad, uh, I will be healed. God will heal me. He stood by that year after year. And year after year as a teenager, I saw his body getting weaker and weaker, becoming more and more of a prison for him. And eventually he died. And I really struggled with that. I thought even when he died, I thought, well, God, you can raise the dead. And yet he died. I knew God could heal him. He proved that. Time and time again. So why didn't he? Wouldn't have this been a better testimony, God, to all those people who were saying, where is your God? That would have made more sense, wouldn't it? But at the time, I didn't really process what was in fact a very deep disappointment that in my eyes, God hadn't come through for me. And in the weeks and months that went on, I found myself becoming more and more despondent towards God. My, my passion to worship dimmed a lot. And I went like that for, for weeks, perhaps months. But it wasn't until I actually owned up to God about my disappointment and my struggles that I realized actually how dry I had become. Sometimes we don't realize, we don't notice. It's just part of life. And I realized suddenly how dry I had become as I was honest with God, as I opened up dialogue with him. The truth was I was gasping for his presence. I was gasping for his comfort. But because of my private disappointment, I'd allowed distance. I'd allowed distance to build up. In my relationship with God. The truth is when we are real with God. As I said it opens the door. For God's grace. And his love. And his truth. To go to work on our hearts. Prayer is not one way. We've often said that. When we're honest in our prayer life. With God. We make ourselves vulnerable. And open. For him to work on us. And as I, you see, what happened was as I opened up and as I was honest with God, revelation came. I realized that actually I had been putting my hope more in my dad's healing than in the healer. It's a big difference. 
It's a big difference. You know, I I was holding on to my interpretation of the promises of God than I was actually holding on to the promiser. The one who is just in all his ways. The thing is, when you are longing for something, it can consume you. And that could be longing for something wonderful and good, like a healing, like a child, like a loved one's salvation. All amazing good things. But the danger is when that longing itself becomes an idol. When we do When we are tempted to say, although we wouldn't say it, this is actually what we're thinking. God, you are good if you come through for me. God, you are good if that healing comes. God, you are, I'm going to praise you. I will just shout your name from the tops of the mountains. If only you would do this one thing for me. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because we need, when we press into prayer for these things that we're longing for, We need to make sure that our hope isn't just in the outcome, but actually our hope is in God and God alone. Recognizing that he is good all the time. Whether or not he comes through for us in the way that we would like him to, in the time scale that we would like him to. Truth is, Psalms like these remind us that God is God and we are not. And most of the time, I would say, that disappointment with God comes is because God has not acted in the way that we feel he should have. So we get disappointed. Deep down, I thought I knew better. You know, God is so patient with us, isn't he? Deep down, I thought I knew better. And I had to get to that point of surrender that God, you know what you're doing. And I had to get to that point of being content that all the why questions that we so often have are rarely answered this side of eternity. And I had to get to that point of saying, I'm content with that. I'm content with that. I am content with just trusting that you always keep your promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, Every promise God has ever made finds its resounding yes in Jesus. Every promise God has ever made finds its resounding yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And praise God, because of Jesus, my dad is totally free of the body that held him captive for so many years. He's, he's enjoying the presence of God forever. So don't put your hope in certain outcomes Follow the psalmist's advice. Put your hope in God. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred, or as the message puts it, unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. But as Paul reminds us in Romans 5, those who hope in God are never disappointed. So going back to this psalm, Psalm 42 What's clear is the sons of Korah weren't putting their hope in going back to the good old days. 
They weren't putting their, their trust and their hope to, to, to that God would recreate this experience of all the festivals and all the celebrations and, and the presence of God and, and being at the center of it all. Wasn't that great? Of course they reminisced. They said, how we used to go to the house of God under, under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Of course they reminisced. They looked at the good times, but their hope wasn't in going back to those times. Their hope wasn't in just recreating the experience, but it was simply in God himself. He was the water that they were panting for. He he was the rock that they were reaching out for when they felt overwhelmed. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. It was God and God alone that they were putting their hope in. And as I said, when we are real with God, when we process our hurts and our, our struggles and our disappointments with him, that's when we actually find faith. That's when we find that faith isn't just found, actually it's built. It's easy to praise God when times are going well. It takes real faith. To hold on to God when circumstantially nothing is changing. Yet I will hold on to my rock. It's you that I thirst for, God. We, we need to be honest with God. You know, the Holy Spirit is called our counsellor, isn't he? And when, whenever you go to a counsellor, I don't know if you've ever been to a counsellor, but what's the first thing they ask? It's, it's, it's to tell them the truth. To be honest, we're honest with them, aren't we? We tell them the truth. And we need to be honest with our divine counsellor, the Holy Spirit, to tell it as it is. I think perhaps thousands of pounds would be saved if we used our divine counsellor a lot more. He's there for us. Praise God we don't have to go to a specific location to enjoy the presence of God like these guys had to. You know, post the cross, post Pentecost. As Christians, we are the temple. We are the dwelling place of God. And despite how distant God feels, he is with us. And we can be real and honest with him. Our divine counsellor. Secondly, these psalms teach us to be real with each other. Real with each other. I think we often forget, I certainly do, when we're reading through Psalms, that these were designed to be sung together. These songs of rawness and honesty were congregational songs. You know, in our private study times, we, we kind of go through the Psalms. It's usually a very private affair. But these were for the choir masters. The sons of, the sons of Korah were, led the choir, or at least a third of it. These raw, honest songs were designed to be sung together. We don't have many songs or choruses like that, do we, today? I think it's probably to our, to our loss. You know, God, have you forgotten us? I'm feeling really dry today. Perhaps Claire or Tim or others can put it to a catchy tune. I don't know. But we don't sing songs like that together, do we? And yet God doesn't want us to go through dry and difficult seasons on our own. We looked at this as part of our Paraclesis series, didn't we? Journeying together. 
We're not islands. We, we're not designed to go through this. But the trouble is, I know the last thing we often feel like when we are struggling, when we are feeling low, is to hang around lots of happy people. We just want to melt away. The thing is, it's, it's a real issue in the church, I think. I'm saying the church, at, you know, the wider church. But it can be reflected in all of us. When we gather as church, there's this tendency to put on a brave face. To, to sing songs about God's goodness and love for us, which is important. And yes, it stirs us and it focuses our, our, our perspective onto God, lifts our eyes off ourselves. It's important that we do that. But, but how honest are we with each other? When people say, how, how are you doing? You know, the, the, we, we allow ourselves to say, oh, I'm really busy. That's usually the first thing. Followed by, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. But if we're honest, I wonder how many times we've actually wanted to scream, actually, I am really struggling here. I, I, I'm feeling really low. I feel like God has deserted me. I feel like all my hopes and dreams and, and all the promises over my life are lying dead in the water. Thank you very much. How are you? Somewhere along the line, we've, we've got into our heads that to be a Christian means to dial down reality. And, and to switch on Christian mode. There's this unwritten rule that we can't talk about negative stuff. We can't talk about struggles or doubts or unanswered prayer or pain. We've got to focus just on the positive stuff. stuff. Basically, a lot of people have swallowed the lie that goes something like, because you are a Christian, you have to be seen to have it all together. Can I just ask us as a church to dispel that myth? Let's be honest with one another. Because ultimately, it, it perpetuates this terrible stigma that Lee was talking about a few weeks ago. That actually, you know, you can't say I'm a Christian and I'm depressed. You can't, you're not allowed to say that. The two don't, don't go together. As we've seen, big biblical heroes, people who were mighty in their faith, went through times where they struggled. And we're down. And being real with one another is a massive step towards helping one another through it. You know, if we're all great at putting on a, a brave face, then it just perpetuates this, this sense of, of loneliness and isolation. You think, well, I'm obviously the only one struggling here. Everyone else has got their lives together. What's wrong with me? And of course, then it, it, it means that we certainly don't want to talk about it. Because we don't want to look abnormal. It self-perpetuates itself, doesn't it? Yet here we have this chorus that says, I say to God, my rock, you think, yes, good start. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go around mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me. This is what they were singing together. But what a strength when they got to the refrain and sang together. Looking at one another, perhaps. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. I know what you're going through. I'm going through that too. Put your hope in God. For yet we will praise him. My saviour and my God. We need to be real with one another. Not just to recognise that you're not the only one. But also... To remind each other that God is still God and that he is still good. 
that he is still the rock, that even when we feel that we're drowning, there's, there's this sense in the psalm that, God, you are still my rock, that when we feel like we've been, the waves and breakers are crashing over us, have you noticed they are still God's waves and God's breakers? He is still sovereign. He is still in control. When you feel like you're drowning, can I just encourage you, don't hide away. Do the opposite. Run to church. Go to life group. Go to a prayer meeting. Don't fall for the lie that I'm not in a good place at the moment, therefore I'm not very good company. You know, I'm, I'm just not good to be around at the moment. Or, or you know, I, I, I've got nothing to give. Don't fall for that lie. Do the opposite. Run. Connect with people. I'm just going to bring people down. No, you're not. You're actually going to model something to them about honesty that might actually help them in months to come. You need to be around people. You need to be honest with people. They need you to be honest with them. Thirdly, and very briefly, we need to be real with ourselves. We need to be real with ourselves. Be real with God. Be real with each other. Be real with yourself. And this is not mind over matter. This is not pretending that things are going better than they are. This is simply speaking to yourself and becoming aware that actually you're not in a great place spiritually. We can go through life pretending. I did for a long time. We need to firstly acknowledge that we're not in a great place spiritually. And sometimes we need to speak to our own selves, our own souls. And again, you see this throughout the Psalms. Why are you so downcast? Come on, stir yourself. I'm not prepared to to bury my disappointments. I'm not prepared to just carry on in this dry place. I refuse to run and hide. I'm going to run to God. I'm going to be honest with him. I'm going to tell him exactly how I feel. I'm going to, I'm going to run to my, my church family. I'm going to get support from them. I'm not going to pretend. I'm going to get through this. I'm actually going to grow through this. So I said, the truth is dry seasons, when we handle them with honesty and integrity, can become seasons where faith is not just found, but it's, it's built. It grows. You become stronger through it. God often allows us to experience times of, of distance from him, times of struggle, times of longing, times where we think, God, you've deserted us to help develop our spiritual muscles. Pete's going to be kind of continuing this theme as, as we look at how we are transformed by trouble. How God uses difficult times to shape us and make us into the people that he wants us to be. So I'm not going to talk any more about that. I'll let Pete do that next week. All I'll just say is be here next week. Because it's it's going to continue on this theme. But all I just want to finish with is simply say, let's get rid of superficial faith. Let's be real with God. He's big enough to handle all our outbursts. It's what these psalms tell us. He's big enough. You know, as a father myself, I want my children to be totally honest with me. I would hate it if I knew that they couldn't tell me things. 
I couldn't tell my dad that. What will he think of me? I would hate that. I want him to be honest with me. You know, our eldest Emily is at the stage where she gets very frustrated very quickly. But I don't mind when she comes running at me, screaming, her little fists banging on my chest. I just hug her. I just let her get it all out. All the things that, you know, you shouldn't say to your dad. I hate you. No, 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 no. All that stuff. She gets it out. And I hug her. And I love her. And, and after a while, after she's calmed down a bit, she then allows me to speak into her life. I can speak into her situation once she's let it all out. And perspective comes. And hopefully she grows a little bit more in maturity and understanding of herself a little bit more, as well as understanding her father. She can talk to her dad. And you know what? We can talk to our father. We can be honest with him. Let's be real with each other. Let's not uh, hide when we're struggling. Let's not try and paint over the cracks with a brave face. Be honest with your small group. If you're not part of a small life group, get connected if you can. But be honest. Ask them to stand with you. As I said, you'll be modeling something that will probably help someone else in months to come. And be real with yourself. Don't settle for staying in that desert place. Don't put your hope in certain outcomes, but put your hope in God. Speak truth to yourself. Put your hope in God, because soon you will be praising him again. Amen? Amen. Can we just have the band back? I'd love to pray for some people. If you're going through a dry period, if you feel like...